two. I'm Daniel. This is Eddie. And this is Nick. We have a list of things we're going to talk about that we think is neat from uh, some technology, entertainment, gaming, the stuff that interests us nerds. Yeah, we're kind of nerds. Um, we took a little thing on our forums and on the front page uh, about um, kind of the questions that people had for the show. And one of the questions was about... Uh, who does the voices? That's a good question if you don't know, but you can probably hear it a little bit. Nick does the voice of... I do the voice of Chet and the producer. And the producer. And that surprises people a little bit. But Chet sounds just like you. Pretty much like me. Yeah. Chet kind of is you. Kind of. Lie. Cake stands. Cake. Yeah, like, really, we should... All just... I do is I go to Cabo and I do cake stands all day. And Daniel does the voices, or the voice. Of Ellis. And then one episode where Adam Sizzler was there. Oh yeah, Adam Sizzler, that's right. We should bring Adam Sizzler back in another episode pretty soon. I liked him, but I think I was the only one. (laughs) (laughs) I like Adam Sizzler. What's funny is... He was barely in the episode, though. Nick and Daniel make fun of me a lot because I do three voices, and they keep joking that I'm going to write everyone else's characters on the show. But I do the voices of Westheimer... Uh, Cortez and Montrose. So, and then also uh, my brother Kiri does the voice of Leroy, and my boss Ben does the voice of Ahmad. So we we had some other people ask about kind of how the show developed, and once again that was also in the LA Complexity um, interview. But I guess if you didn't read it, the Lee role developed um, a few years ago, and um, I was in college, wanted to make machinima, and so I thought it was kind of neat, and we all liked doing. Uh, you know, Daniel and Nick are film students, so or we're film students, and so we wanted to. We had this idea to do it, and I first jumped on. I don't know. Some people may have seen Over the Counter Strike, and I was first attached to Over the Counter Strike, and I was trying to do stuff with that, but um, I didn't really like where the show <laughs> where the show was going. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't helping when like they released it. it was like way in like early early production. That I was kind of helping and talking with the guy that was that was making it, and I. I kind of had this idea that that we should do that we should do a show up that was kind of like Law and Order, and it would be counter terrorist hunting terrorists, oh. and it would even have the 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 you know dun dun or whatever the sound yeah, is. Yeah, the sound. Yeah, and Law and Order is like Daniel's favorite show. It's only one of the greatest shows ever made. Yeah. And then in the process, we thought that there'd be like a Law and Order show that was Delete World, and that the counter-terrorist part would be like Law and Order, and that the terrorist part would be like the real world, where the terrorists all live in the house together. And so it would be like two different shows in one show. And then we kind of started realizing that the real world part was really hilarious. So that was kind of the original show, and then we were like, oh, hey, the reality show part is the funniest part of it. And so then we just decided to make the whole show about counter-terrorists and terrorists living together. And uh, we tried to make the show... We tried to do a little test of it like several years ago oh, in 1.6. And uh, that, that, was, <laughs> that was I pretty, still have that on yeah, my computer too. Yeah, that was pretty terrible. We did like a little green screen test because we had the idea of using uh, sprays as the... Well, I have the thing. It starts screens. off and it's like this like real like <clears throat> epic music playing. And then it's like zoomed in on these like still photos of terrorists like taking people hostage and it's like in 2010 the world is in disarray and the music's playing and then like it dissolves into this other picture and it's like but the counter-terrorists are here and then like it you know cuts into the game and it, it's one of the guys and they're on Italy 
and we were going to have this whole little thing where it's like it's supposed to be real dramatic and awesome, and then it was just going to cut into the funny part of the show. But we were always like, well, this this awesome thing's going to happen, and then it'll get funny. But we could never figure out what the thing was that was going to get funny. <laughs> and we could never figure it out, so we never finished it. Yeah, we quickly abandoned. And then Source came out, and I still wanted to do the show in 1.6, and Daniel wanted to do it in Source. As did I. It looked yeah. so good. I was, but at the time we didn't really have computers that, that could run ran run Source it. very well. I mean, they would run it, but they wouldn't run it really well. And I was just like, we have to run this in Source. Because this is like 04. Yeah. Because 0304. it was right when Source came out, yeah, yeah. yeah. and it was like this sucks in 1.6. Yeah. It's not. It doesn't look good. It looks terrible. Well, the problem was that in Source they only had the original two. They had like the one terrorist model and the, the one Phoenix connection. And, yeah, uh, and the one counter terrorist model, and that's kind of yeah. that's what over the Counter Strike used for their show was the the, the two um, those like two models and every character looked exactly the same and, yeah. and that's why I, that's why i wanted to use 1.6 is because one the mouths moved but then also they had like the distinct characters and so then we we tried to do that but like i was in florida and they were in texas and so it was kind of kind of hard to get that to work and then i came back here and then we tried to do another trailer and that's the one we were talking about earlier that we did about a year and a half ago yeah it was last summer yeah it was about a year and a half ago and that one is kind of like, it's kind of a similar to like the trailer now as far as like what it was supposed to be. It was supposed to be like an audition reel, only without the humor. Yeah, it was like eight <laughs> minutes long. Yeah. And we filmed it all. And there are a few, a few of the jokes are still in there. The thing of the guy who... Calling his mom. Who's AFK. And then he says, oh, sorry, my mom was calling me. That's from the original That's trailer. the same footage. It's the exact same footage. I just cut and pasted And the same voices it. too. Yeah. Every, yeah. yeah. They were both you. <laughs> hey, loser. <laughs> but yeah, so so it's it's kind of interesting where the show came from from like a long time ago to where it is now. And the character that was changing the entire way through was Cortez because he was originally like I was saying earlier, he was going to be a mod, and, and there was going to be the other mod, and they were both going to be named a mod. And the Cortez character was going to hate that they were both named a mod. And that was kind of the whole running joke was like, you know, all the ter all terrorists are named Ahmad, so don't have two Ahmads in the show because that's stereotypical. They were spelled differently, though. Yeah, they were spelled differently. But that ended up not being funny. Yeah. At all. And it so, not... and then, and so then we were trying to figure out all these things to do for Cortez, and Cortez kept changing all the time because we just had no idea what he was going to be. And then right before we did the trailer that we put out in June, uh, Daniel had the idea that he wears glasses because he's blind. So we thought that was kind of funny that he would be blind, but still be a badass. And so then it was kind of like, well, maybe he'd be like a blind, like solid snake. And so then I started trying to do like this, like deep, like solid snake kind of voice. And then somehow it turned into like a Hispanic accent, Arabic, Russian, French, Russian, Russian French. pirate. <laughs> <Yeah>. Russian pi <laughs> it turned into like all this other stuff. And, and that's kind of the voice that we ran with once we started recording the stuff for the trailer. Well, and then when you started doing it, we were like, well, then we have to change his name. Because he can't be a yeah, mod. he can't be named a mod. And beast from south of the border. Because, we, yeah, that was still the idea in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, even in the, the trailer It wasn't we up until June, right before. It was like, like a week or two before. Yeah. And I said, we should call him Cortez. Yeah. Because yeah. I was just trying to think of a random name. And I was like, uh, Cortez, that's Spanish, right? Yeah. yeah. So, and then we ran with it and it totally worked. I guess that kind of brings us on to one of the other questions that someone had was about the whole writing and filming process. So the way that it works for every episode is that 
is that I'll I'll kind of bounce some ideas off of Nick and Daniel, uh, try to see you know some thing maybe some kind of structure that the episode can have maybe some some different things we'd like to see and then I'll write the episode uh, out and then uh, after that uh, we kind of all get together and we'll do like a read through, um, and that's and that's when most of the jokes get added, and so we'll do that. Um, we we try to do that on different nights than than we record the audio, but sometimes it happens to be the same night because we're, we're kind of like crunched for time. Even more improv happens when we record audio, um, especially with Chet. Yeah, I improv a lot. <laughs> Anywho, moving on. Um, we do the audio, and then um, Nick uh, will edit the audio. So then I, I take the audio, and I'll, and I'll look at the script, and I'll cut together the audio. I'll take the best takes or whatever. So then when we film, we know that that's the take we're going to use for that shot so that everything stays synced up like Daniel said earlier. And so I'll, I'll go through, and like a lot of times I'll just we'll know what scenes we're going to shoot the next day, and I'll just cut together those scenes the night before, and then I'll bring them over on my iPod, and we'll play them, and then... The same thing for the next day we shoot and so on and so on until we finish filming. Yeah, and then once once we're kind of done filming it, which usually takes about, I mean, it used to take about a week and a half, and we film kind of different nights of the week and kind of on Saturdays. So once it, once it does that, then we kind of, you know, Nick and Daniel see it as it gets edited uh, the whole way through, and then, and, and then usually I don't really see it during the editing process really, and then when it's ready to be released, like, you know, we'll all get together and look at it. And it's kind of, it's good because I haven't seen it. Like, Nick and Dana watch it so much, they just don't even know. Right. We don't know what's good and what's bad anymore. It loses all meaning. And so then we'll all watch it. And then a lot of times we'll tweak it and tighten it up just a little bit. And then we send it off to Jace. Mm-hmm. And he records the music to it. And then he sends the music back to us in a few days. And then we we put it in and finalize the audio, and then we give it to you people. All right, moving on uh, from the Elite World uh, discussion, uh, just kind of moving on to, like, TV, entertainment kind of stuff. Um, there's this Writers Guild thing going on. Writers Guild of America is uh, on strike. Because they distinguish between how much money they get based off a movie theater or a DVD, or like the iTunes downloads, mm-hmm. not just iTunes, but you know whatever online store you buy. There's a distinction, and you know they don't get as much money obviously for the online downloads, and so they're smart people, and they know that in the future that's how most people are going to get content. Yeah, and so they want to set up their contract now so that it's not like they're left out in the rain in two or three years when everyone has an Apple TV or a Slingbox and they're all living the dream, downloading heroes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, it's pretty crazy because that, that's the thing is kind of like the studio, they're kind of using this excuse about like, oh, it's the internet and it's strange and it's a new world and let's just see what happens. The unfrozen caveman lawyer approach <laughs> to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and they're saying like, let's see what happens and then we'll kind of strike up, you know, some conversations about it. But in reality, they're making money on stuff right now. Like if you go to NBC.com or ABC.com, um, they have all their shows. I mean, you can go watch Lost. Uh, or you can go to the WB and watch like Beauty and the Geek or like they have all their shows are online now and there's commercial breaks. So like they're making money from somebody. Yeah. Like somebody is making money off of their show being on 
on their website. Mm-hmm. And the writers actually don't get any cut of that. And and like Daniel was saying, I mean, in the future, it's going to be, I mean, everything's moving that way where you're going to be watching TV on your computer in like three to five years. Or your TV is a computer. Yeah, exactly. Your TV, like your TV is a computer and that's how you're watching everything. And, um, and, and so writers are trying to say, well, you know, we want a piece of this pie before before the the standard is set and we're screwed yeah you know for and another five or six years is usually i think how long because i remember in oh one there was talk of a strike happening then so people were freaking out and uh that's when survivor survivor who wants to be a millionaire popped up who wants to be a millionaire and they, those were huge so then all the companies were like well fuck writers we don't need them let's <laughs> make much. reality shows and now they're they're still everywhere because yeah. they were so afraid of this of a strike happening that they turned to something else that they didn't fully understand. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a Batman Dark Knight trailer <laughs> reference. Right it's such there. a good line. <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, it's it's pretty crazy because I mean, like the students are still using the excuse of like, oh, just do whatever, and 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 it's affecting some major. I mean, people, I don't think people realize that it's a big deal right now, but they're going to realize it's a big deal in a couple months, especially. Like, well, what I was going to say is that they need to learn something from what's going on with the music industry right now. Yeah. And how the RAA and the, the, the big record labels, are, well, I'm going to talk about this later, but they're, they're viewed as like the bad guy. Yeah. You know, and that's because they didn't want to hop on this internet train when they should have. Yeah, and I, I, and I know people in Hollywood are like, we don't want to end up like that. Yeah, we don't want to end up as the bad guy like the music industry did, and so they, they really need the the writers are right. They need to give them this money because that is where everything is going to go. Yeah, well, and part of the problem is just uh, let me let me just geek out a little yeah. bit here. Is like in America with the with the internet coming into into its own. Like, the last huge... I mean, in movies, you, you're going to have, like, a Spider-Man, or you're going to have, like, a Lord of the Rings, and you're going to have these big box office movies, and everyone's like, oh, well, comic book movies are huge. Well, when you make one based off one of the greatest comic books of all time, yeah. it's going to be huge. When you make a movie based off of one of the most legendary, you know... Novels ever written. Novel, yeah. Uh, fantasy novels ever, ever written that classes are taught about... It's going to be huge. You, the audience is built in. It's not like you're coming up with a new brand and you're like, oh, well, this will become... It won't. There will never be another like Nirvana. That will never happen again in America. Because globalization and the internet and all this stuff, everyone's taste can become more and more diverse and they can still get what they want. These big media corporations are still trying to strike gold with one yeah. swing. You know, instead of understanding that what they need to do is instead of spending a hundred million dollars on one movie they should spend 10 million dollars on 10 movies that apply that appeal to 10 different audiences yeah and then go after them instead of trying to get everybody in america to see their one movie exactly because the everyone's tastes are becoming more and more diverse and they're able to because the people can get what they want and instead of catering to those needs they're trying to say what you really want is this no i think i want this no you want this. No, stupid. No, bitch. I want this. And then they go onto the internet and they steal it and then they have it for themselves. It's and the on-demand society. Exactly. Yeah. And that's what they need to understand. 
Well, and and more, and that's why that's why there's these kind of all these TV shows and stuff are doing doing pretty well. Is less and less, um, you'll see less and less studios trying to make that one show that everyone comes and watches. The Seinfeld. Yeah, I think more and more you're going to start to see them trying to cover a wide kind of array of of like you were saying niche groups. So mm. It's pretty crazy. Like just what I mean, it's going to start really affecting things in a couple months because all the major shows are running short because of it. Uh, Battlestar Galactica is only they've filmed half of their of their final season and they're stopping it um, maybe to be resumed at a later date um, yeah it's really very frustrating <laughs> uh, Lost I was reading about this Lost is going to be doing um, maybe an 8 episode season Jeez. so it's... you know what they should do all the writers once they, the writers should still write the scripts and then just bring them in tubs and set them out by their picket lines and say, Here you they want are. this, don't you? <laughs> and then the scripts just start to pile up and up and up, and then eventually they have to break. Yeah. Well, and so Lost might do an eight-episode season instead of a 16-episode season. But now uh, Damon Lindelof is saying, like, he's like, you know what? If we're going to do an eight-episode season, I don't want to do a season at all. So if it looks like it's going to be cut short, they will postpone this season of Lost till the 2008, 2009 oh my God. season. That would be terrible. So there's that. There's Heroes. Heroes. Yeah. Heroes is cutting their season short to end on December. Yep. So that now, instead of that being the mid-season finale in December, it's going to be the end of season two. It's only going to be have been 11 episodes long. Because they already have that finished. They have that written and that's already done. It's already done. And, and they stuff. changed the ending of it. Mm -hmm. I read this today. They changed the ending of it so that if the strike lasts a long time... Now their bases are covered for episode two. And for the people that bitched about our our opinions on season two of Heroes, i got to say this, that Tim Kearing, the, the creator of the show, has come out and said that he feels like they made some significant errors in the pacing and uh, the writing of the show. So, yeah, sir. score one for Smooth Few Films. <laughs> <laughs> i got to say that because I, I saw that today and it made me chuckle because we, we had a couple people... Uh, you know, leave some comments that they thought Heroes Season 2 was awesome, and I respectfully disagree. Uh, though this last episode on Monday was kind of kick-ass. Uh, but, so yeah, Heroes is going to be done uh, in December, 11-episode season. Um, 24 isn't going to air at all, it sounds like. Well, yeah, I mean, you can't really split yeah, that one in half. You can't even just you can't even just start to do that. So it sounds like 24 is not even going to air at all. House is done. Like they're they're just locking it off with what they finished. The Office has maybe one more episode, and then they're done, because half the cast of the show is in the Writers Guild. Like Steve Carell's in the Writers Guild, but he's not crossing um, the picket line. Huh? I read that he's yeah, not, he's not crossing the picket. picket. Line. Um, but B.J. Novak, who is Ryan in the show, he is one of the writers, and he's, and I think so. So I mean, it's just yeah. ridiculous. Like like this TV season is going to be really terrible. And what's funny is I think it, it actually might push people to the internet. To the internet. To the future. <laughs> Welcome, brothers. There'll be people are gonna be looking for. I mean, because there's gonna. I mean, what's gonna be on TV? I mean, American Idol can still go, you know. <laughs> but beyond that, like I don't know. But hey, I mean, you laugh at that, but American Idol's ratings are yeah, yeah no, every through day, the every roof. day my boss yeah. comes in and talks about Dancing with the Stars. I'm just God, come on. Like, dude. do you realize? Like, I mean, you know, the Pats Colts game. You know, like, that was one of the most monster Legendary. sporting events. Right. 
that got like what what American Idol gets every, weekly. Yeah, it's insane. Like how many people watch that show? Yeah, and it's strike proof. Well, reality TV shows have writers too. Yeah, um, which is kind of weird, but I mean they have people that kind of push things in certain directions well, yeah. and do whatever. Sometimes they're called story editors. Yeah, story editors instead of writers uh, that kind of find these little threads and kind of, you know, push them and, and really emphasize them and stuff. Did you hear Jon Stewart, like, his offered to pay out of his pocket for to the writers? Really? I didn't, I just went across the article on, on one site and I didn't read it, but I think I heard something about Jon Stewart was going to... Yeah. Offer to pay his writers out of his own pocket. I didn't hear that, but then I, but then I seemed like I still heard something about them striking. Yeah, I, I don't quite. I don't know. It's just, it's just really nuts because the whole TV season. It's the worst time ever for it to happen because I mean we live in an era now where TV is just monstrously huge. Yeah. I mean TV is is picking up a lot of the slack that that movies are leaving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where I mean there's more creative and better stories and in better TV. things going on in TV than in the movies. Yeah. And I mean that's why the strike hurts really really bad in like now yeah. more than it would have like 10 years ago. Yeah. So I read this article and it was this this fantastic article that talked about uh, music distribution and like the history of like where music came from and it was this, you know, giant thing, and they used to throw money everywhere, and they made so much money. It was on Demon Baby. Demon Baby, yeah. yeah. And how then, you know, Napster came along, and then, you know, there's iTunes and all this stuff. Yeah. And how Oink, which was a the, one of the biggest torrent sites around, came along, and it offered people a way to get anything they wanted. Yeah. It was this amazing community structure that was built by people who loved music for people who loved music. If a service like that was created legally, and you just had like a monthly fee attached to it, yeah. But it was like ran, you know, it, it was kind of this community more than it was just like this, you know, the iTunes store is just so like this is John Mayer, this is the like White Stripes. A, yeah, it's a marketplace. Yes, it's like this. You know, look at this new song you have here. You need to listen to this new song because it's new. And we want you to buy this song. Yeah. You know, whereas Oink is just this, it's amazing. And it's like, if the RIAA and the record labels would just, you know, get out of their ways and try something new. I mean, that's why they're looked at like bad guys now. You know, we were talking with the the TV thing, how they need to realize that that the world is changing. It's the way of the future. The way of the future. <laughs> the record industry needs to do the same thing, and they needed to do it like five years ago. Like, the whole thing with Oink, if, there was a, if they had just hopped on board, and there was a way to do that legally to say, you know what, you pay, I don't know, what like a good monthly fee would be. Right. You know, but you do this however much money a month, and you can just have whatever you want. Like, figure out a way to make money on this, and figure out a way to it to change your form, because... Um, I used to, I mean, I was, I was an album guy. I wanted an album. I wanted the art cover, but I don't care. I mean, all my music's did. I mean, everything's on my computer, you yeah. know, um, now hopefully that, the, that the, that the film and kind of like television, uh, that, that those studios recognize that this is kind of where things are going. I don't, I don't think it's quite there yet. And I don't know, we, we, we've had discussions about this before about like on, online distribution of of movies but like i like having the box you know what i mean like i like having the dvd case yeah i mean there's definitely there. there's definitely something to be said for that for having a physical thing you can hold and touch in your hand 
you know, since, like I said, since it's not prevalent right now, a lot of the, you know, Apple TVs or Slingbox type devices, they're coming into their own, but they're not there yet, obviously, by any stretch. So you just pop it in your DVD player and, you know, you can kind of have your, your collection of DVDs as your kind of, you know, little wall of honor. You know, it's a cool thing to say, you know, people can get an idea of what you're into by the DVDs you have. You know, I think that, that you're definitely right that as it changes and IPTV and that stuff really comes into its own and then on the back of your computer you don't have component in and DVI and HDMI, you just have a Cat5 input. Yeah. that then things will really be different. And then, you know, instead of remote, you have a keyboard and a mouse. That'll be weird. See, I don't, I just don't, I don't know if I see that happening in the next, like, three to five years. Not three I to see five, that but being... there's going to be a time when that happens. Yeah. Yeah, well, when we're all running fiber optic networks and the internet is blazingly <laughs> fast and you can stream HD movies over the internet. Well, and people say that's why... That's why uh, Microsoft has thrown their lot in with HD DVD so strongly is because Microsoft is trying to uh, that Microsoft is trying to stall the uh, format the HD DVD Blu-ray format war until more people are accepting of online distribution of uh, oh, of television and movies. That's interesting. That uh, because through like Xbox Live Marketplace and through Windows Vista, like all that stuff that they want, they want people. To download. Um, they want the future to be now so that people are only downloading uh, movies, television shows, only through straight to their computer, straight to their 360. Um, and the, Because that's the future. Everybody knows that's the future, and Microsoft's like, you don't need an HD DVD or a Blu-ray. And so a lot of people think that's why they've thrown their lot in with, mm. with HD DVD. It's so that there is no Blu-ray stalling the future. You know what I mean? That there is no format yeah. stalling the future. That they we both just kind of... sidestep it. They both just... Yeah, we sidestep kind of this current thing they both just fight it out or whatever and then meanwhile while they're fighting it out everybody else is moving to the future and we run with the profit like a bandit yeah so yeah they're just they're putting their pieces on the board yeah. and just waiting and for that's that supposed to, to that's supposed to happen sometime it was supposed to happen soon and then like it's getting stalled off it keeps getting stalled off and and they're going to put it i mean it's going to be a feature on the 360 dashboard that see that, yeah that's the thing though is because because the whole fiber optic thing, which you're going to need to stream yeah. HD content, unless... Because right now, downloading... I'm sorry, but it, while it's cool, downloading um, a two-hour movie on Xbox Live to your 360, it's like, I can maybe watch this tomorrow, and I don't even feel like... like By then, I don't know like, if I want to watch like, it. <laughs> it's like, it's the next day, and I'm like, I really don't even feel like watching this. I kind of wanted to watch it when I wanted to watch it. Yeah. But yeah, because, I mean, that's that's all linked together, like... The fiber optic internet, they're talking about the rollout and how there's all these problems, which, I mean, it makes sense because the the network that runs cable has been in place for decades. They reach this place where cable TV is ever in America, and they're like, oh, well, we figured out how to send data across that. Let's do high-speed internet. Oh, shit, now everyone wants fiber optic cable. Yeah. Let's start all over again. Yeah. You know, that's why Fios is only in a few, you know, a few places in America, and that's the kind of thing you're going to need. To run this ridiculous, you know, this new stuff that's coming out. One of the companies tested a 100 megabit down, 50 megabit up wireless connection. Nokia. Nokia tested that. I'm convinced of the 700 megahertz. Right. 
the future. Right, where the internet is everywhere. Is everywhere, and you pay whoever buys it. I must, I'm, I think Google or Apple are going to have this battle. Yeah. All right. The 700 megahertz spectrum, if you didn't know, is the UHF. With all analog TV broadcast on today, and yeah. in, is it October? I think October of '09. It's going to switch to. It goes dead, and all TV in America has to be digital. Yes. And, and so the FCC is selling that. The auction is in February. I'm really interested to see who wins. Who that. wins the auction? Because who owns all the analog who TV owns signal? The future. Yeah. <laughs> who wins? But once it's up and running, it'll pay for itself within like two years. Yeah. Because, I mean, by 2009, technology is going to be whatever. I mean, in 2004, could you imagine some of the crazy stuff that we have now? So, you know, in 2009, I don't know what's going to yeah, happen. Well, what people will be doing and with what, the UHF. Be, you know, what kind of things will be capable of. It'll be, I don't know, it'll be really cool. Unless we all die by then. I don't know. That'd be sad. It could happen. We, we can all die in the battle between Google and Apple. <laughs> when Skynet becomes self-aware, <laughs> and my, the, when all the iPhones link together and form a thinking brain, there you go. An AI of iPhones that conquer the Earth. So basically, everyone has heard what is kind of a normal conversation between me, Nick, and Daniel <laughs> about the way of the future and us being really nerdy and kind of geeking out and going going a little nuts, which we kind of didn't really do in the first podcast. So that's kind of what you've listened to is us being complete nerds, um, which we are want to do. So uh, it's kind of turned into the nerdy technology, what is the future edition of the Lee World podcast. <laughs> According to us, I'm sure there'll be people like, you're stupid. You guys are crazy. And they're uh, probably right, but maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, so uh, thanks for listening to the podcast. See you next time. Bye. Yeah. Elite world